So, Dude, that's a gem. It's great. It's oh my a god, little song. And what's great is all the stuff. A lot of the stuff Ben talked about. It's funny. It was love at just one look when she saw the size of his pocketbook. It's a hilarious. <laughs> oh, dude, I also love. <laughs> but uh, Jeff turned me onto the song, and I've always loved it. It cracks me up that he's like, you know, they're in a fancy place. That's where they're up in Mississippi. <laughs> so yokily. That's how shitty the panhandle of Florida is. Like like, She's off someplace really cool, Mississippi. Fifty years of music with fifty-year-old white guys. Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys podcast on the Electrocast Podcast Network. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Doing well, Timmy. Glad good. to be here. Good, Ben. Good. Jeff, are you well? I'm fine. I was just trying to be polite. Yeah, so I'm the only <laughs> cranky one here. Uh, and you know why I'm a little cranky? Because we've Why's run that? out of gas. Uh, what town? What town are we in? Uh, looks a little swampy and, uh, looks like a college town. Wait a minute. Is that Gainesville, Florida? Gainesville, Florida. It is. We are gassing up in Gainesville, Florida here on our musical road trip. Took a wrong turn coming out of, uh, Texas there. Um, so as long as we're here gassing up at the gas pump, we should talk a little Tom Petty. Should we not? Sounds like a plan. And here in Gainesville, Jeff Simons, do you know anyone from Gainesville? I do, in fact, know somebody from Gainesville. Me! I'm Let's from Gainesville, go. Florida, believe it or not. Yeah, my folks met at the University of Florida. So I spent uh, a couple of years of my early youth in uh, Gainesville before dad was drafted and sent to wow. uh, uh, Newport, Newport. for basic <laughs> training. Yeah, because that's where the action was. <laughs> So we've got two American rock icons coming from Gainesville, Florida. This is terrific. Yes. This is terrific. <laughs> one, one doing slightly more heavy lifting than the other, but thank um, you. And, and for those of us who've never been here before, Jeff, what, uh, what's it like? You said swampy? Well, when I was there in uh, 150 years ago, it was a really small town. Like it was the University of Florida and nothing else. Okay. And, um, and both my parents had, were were graduate students, so we lived in a really um, pretty rundown apartment complex at the edge of town. What I remember, what my most vivid memory is um, when gas went over twenty nine cents a gallon. Right. And I remember seeing like the the sign changed to thirty cents a gallon, and my parents were like, thirty cents a gallon? Who's ever going to pay that?" I still remember them having that conversation about like how crazy that was. Poor, poor graduate was, students. I remember the university being, it seemed enormous to a six, seven year old kid. Right. But it was super Southern. It was hot as hell. It would rain like the end of the world. And then it would be all evaporated four minutes later. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just remember like, you know, a lot of, a lot of heat, a lot of palm trees and um it felt really isolated. I felt really like there was no, I remember you, you the, uh, the nearest besides the university, uh-huh. 
like there was no culture, you know, right. there weren't movie theaters and um great place to learn how to play guitar. Yeah, I didn't even I was way before uh, uh before uh, me, but somebody else uh, thank you. There, yeah. <laughs> ben Barton, do you have any Gainesville, Florida experiences? I do. I first I will second what Jeff noted already, which is that it's it's not on the beach. No. And um they put oh. Tallahassee and the University of Florida, they they parked things that had to be there like capitals and universities in the worst shittiest parts of the state <laughs> it's a shit burg for sure um i have been there two different times and i have three different uh, brief stories from this oh wow First, let's go went down there uh, i i haven't completed this tour but i've been trying to hit all of the sec football stadiums this was one of the very first ones i did and i all actually right. went down with a group of wealthy alumni so picture it i'm the youngest person there we're all dressed in orange and it's like plutocrats and the <laughs> dean of the law school. And I'm walking along with them <laughs> and a drunken frat boy comes <laughs> and just wails into me. Like just lowers his shoulder into me. And it's like, you got a problem. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, are you aware that I'm the type of person that the police protect? <laughs> <laughs> So there, there are other younger orange-clad people that you could start with and right. have a good old throwdown. You yeah. want to attack me in front of my wealthy alumni friends? And he's like, oh, and then wandered off. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and the second thing I note from that game is, so I love SEC football, and I'm a huge fan of the Vols, but you go to Florida, and they do the Gator Chomp, and there's yeah. all this singing and chanting and stuff. And I'm looking around and I'm like, look at these sheep. Look at these morons just oh, no. all acting together. Like, I just can't believe how unbelievably stupid they are. And then I'm like, wait a second. Except that I do all the same things with slightly different words in Tennessee. And it's awesome. <laughs> good and realization. The, the third one is I went down there to speak. And I, I've got a pretty good friend who's on the faculty there. And so he's giving me the tour. And he's driving me around and we we could run to the football stadium and this is when urban Meyer was the coach and they'd won several national championships. And I was like, Oh man, you must just be over the moon about the football program. And he was like, Oh no, no, I, uh, I haven't gone to a football game in 10 years. Oh, wow. I was like, really? And he was like, Oh yeah, it's so, so immoral. I, I can never, I mean, I can barely support the basketball team, but I can't go to a football game. I mean, it's just like, like those kids are, are just completely eaten up and used and like hardly any of them make it onto the pros and it's just chew them out they don't even go to class it's a disaster the moral calculus of going to a football game is completely unacceptable and i was like oh all right well thanks for pointing that out <laughs> <laughs> i'm a i'm a long time season ticket holder of the university of Tennessee, <laughs> which surely is a different moral calculus that's correct that is correct you're getting a full education there uh, I remember. I actually remember. I went to. I went to a Florida basketball game, and uh, we took my neighbor, whose name I think was Calvin. Calvin was not a bright kid, and my dad. <laughs> remember the game was over. <laughs> my dad's like gathering up the stuff, and Calvin says, "So who won?" Oh, he's like, "Well, you see what, see what they had. I think it was Arkansas. You see what Arkansas had? You see what Florida had?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, well, "Which number's bigger?" He's like, "Well, I don't know." And then oh. one number is 76 and one number is 58. Like, so who won? He's like, I, I don't know who won. <laughs> I remember my dad, like I was watching him try to blink his way through the seven-year-old who, who didn't know numbers yet. Oh, 
that had quite an effect on me. I'm like, oh, not everybody pays attention in class. Right. <laughs> or, or goes to class yeah. at all. Well, let's get uh, get a little Tom Petty in the air here. Get some music going. I haven't given you any uh, clues what we're playing. Oh, actually, I did. But anyways, um, can you guys tell me the first Grammy? Uh, no, no. Tell me the year Tom Petty wins his first Grammy. What year is it? 1989, I think. 89. Ben, you go higher or lower? Lower. You're going to go lower? 1990. It takes uh, Tom Petty to win a Grammy, and it's Which album of the Home year. Which is Fever, yeah. No, it's with the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Oh, that's so perfect. And so I've decided I don't want to hear a Traveling Wilburys song. Instead, we're going to go with his first Grammy nomination. It didn't win. Uh, but he was nominated in 1982 for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Stevie Nicks. Stop dragging my heart around. Seriously? Okay. I love that song. You don't like that song? Sure. He wrote that song, uh, Jeff Simons? He did. I love that song. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I know that Jeff can name this. So, Tim. Yeah. Can you name the other song that's a duet between those two artists? Yes. Um, oh. Is is it Leather and Lace? No, that's um stupid Don Henley. <laughs> yeah. uh, wait, there's another time. <laughs> next yeah. yeah. What, is what is it? What is it? It's The Insider, right? Yeah. Insider. Yeah, give promises. It's a pretty one. Give yeah. to me your leather, take from me my lace. No, so that, that not the it? connection here is Jimmy Iovine, who has produced Damn the Torpedoes and was producing the Stevie Nicks first solo record. And she didn't have that what he thought was a hit single because she didn't have Edge of 17 yet. So he he knew that the band had passed on this one, so he borrowed it. And then this song knocked the Tom Petty single out of the top 40 oh, that's hilarious that's hilarious <laughs> yeah uh by the way did you hear the story of i found this on wikipedia why uh it's called edge of 17 Mm-mm. tom petty's first wife had such a thick gainesville accent when stevie asked like when did you guys meet and she said at the age of 17 but it sounded to stevie nicks like at the edge of 17 no and way so that becomes the song isn't that great yeah it really is age of 17 uh all right well let's put tom petty on pause for one quick uh, moment um we got a jeff simons tell you about wilco because ben and i went to wilco not together uh, as luck would have it 
You went in Knoxville, Ben. Did you yep. enjoy the show? Fantastic. Yeah. So great. Uh, a friend of the podcast, Michael Jorgensen, um, said he loved Knoxville. Great town. Loved Asheville. Um, so he reached out and and uh, and said hello uh, through email. I had offered him a home cooked meal. He he turned me down. Nice. I, don't I don't know why. Did you get to hang out with him after the show? Or we did not. But uh, the whole family went to Wilco here in Asheville. So I dragged all my kids along, and Martha has come around. She's now a huge fan. She says it's not just uh, depressed old man music, which I thought was a win. Or she's becoming older and more depressed. <laughs> So I wanted to tell you about Flannery, though. Flannery and I are sitting next to each other. We're at the very edge of the balcony, kind of looking down on the stage. And we're on uh, the side of Nels Klein. And they open up with handshake drugs. And as soon as the guitar solo starts, Nels Klein starts doing Nels Klein stuff. Flannery grabs my elbow. And I turn to her and she looks at me. She's like, what the hell was that? Like, what what is happening right now? What is he doing right now? Because I've never seen anything like that. Like, she's like, did you see what he just did? I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. Watch watch him the whole show. Um, so it was a big success. Kids loved it. Martha and Patrick were down in the front row. Um, yeah, great time. And, and they're now Nels Klein fans, too. Awesome. Yeah, uh, long-time listeners will recall when we discussed the last Wilco record, I complained bitterly about the slow country numbers. Uh -huh. And I predicted, though, that I would see them live and they would be much better live and I would come around on it. I'm not all the way around that, but they were so much better live. Yeah. So yeah. much better live. And the show was great. They did five songs in that ilk, all of them much, much faster. One thing that really helps is like the drummer in Wilco is just oh, a just like bang, 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 just fucking snapping those songs. It's just yeah. the tempo was so much better. Um, and so, yeah. And then and, and the rest of the set was great. Jeff, you would have loved it. They did like, we closed out with like four songs from being there. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Just tearing through. Them, being there. And they're, uh, their road manager retired, and so they played her uh, her favorite song. Um, uh, Once in Germany, someone said nine. Oh, no, 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 no. What's the oh, name yeah. of that song? I'm a wheel. I love that song. Yeah. yeah. I'm Good. seeing them. Susan and I have tickets to see them at the Greek in Berkeley in October. Excellent. Got, like, I got dead center, 10 rows up in the bowl. They're, I mean, they're the best seats in the uh, house. Great. We're you're going yeah. to love it. Love it. Um, and Jeff, you had a show recently. I did. I played last Friday night at the back room in Berkeley. And um, I played exactly during game six of the Warriors-Lakers series. So Ooh. attendance was uh, impacted, shall we say. I, okay. I actually have so many hilarious texts from friends like, see, what happened was is that you were against the Warriors game and we didn't. Oh, <laughs> it actually turns out I would have had a pretty good crowd, but uh but it's fine. I, you know, I'm getting reps. I'm getting up there. I'm trying stuff out. I played uh, solo for the first 20 minutes. And then uh, the band and I played full acoustic for the uh, because it was such a small place. So, awesome. What did you close uh, with? Close with Emily. Awesome. Banger. Quite a quite a good uh, set ender. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, what's the word on the Bob Dylan record? Yeah. So the first uh 
the first in a series of uh, 50 years of music inspired EPs is going to come out this summer. Just had a meeting with the uh, Politburo. So the label uh, three Dylan covers from 1966 coming out in about a month, I think, but I'll have Ooh. more information, uh, you know, next podcast. Cool. Well, exciting. And we're trying I, to put a little, um, little three night sprint through Southern California together, like a little San Diego, LA. Oh, really? Cruise, maybe back up to San Francisco little thing in July. So we'll see if we can make it happen. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be yeah. 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 Um, Sorry about your warriors. Oh, I remember Ben squeaking out some tears in 94 when the Knicks lost to the Bulls oh. and uh, thinking, boy, I just never love a sports team that much. And then I just had, I was watching Curry cry on the bench. I was just weeping, oh. at the end, but I came home and saw the highlights. So yeah, I, it was just a brutal way to go out with Wiggins hurt and Jordan Poole completely falling apart. And um yeah, we'll see. And, maybe and, maybe and Clay, they got another reboot in them, and maybe they don't. Yeah, Clay can't shoot. Clay can't shoot. That's a bummer. We deserve. I mean, here's the thing: we boy, did we deserve to lose? Which so I, I don't know if that's better, like losing by two points in a game where you could complain about a call or this or that. Like, right? No shadow of any doubt on this one. So, so. One empire is descending while another is ascending, Ben Barton? That's the too Knicks? strong to me. Empire. That's a little too strong. Um, <laughs> what I will say, I think Jeff and I both share the weird frustration, which is that we're we're pretty big NBA fans, and the Lakers and the Heat sucked all year. Yeah. yeah. All year, these teams sucked. Sucked. Yeah. The Heat were unwatchable. Like, yeah. they trotted out this, like, roster of these, like, complete, you know, like, sub-NBA player guys. <laughs> Slow, fat, white guys all over that team. And then they suddenly managed to turn themselves into Eastern Conference finalists just on the backs of the Knicks. And um, they were so much better than us. They just were just so much better than us. All They're locked in. Team, yeah. Thrilled. Thrilled with my guy, Jalen Brunson. Yes. Favorite Knicks since Latrell Sprewell. And uh, generally, I think you're right, Timmy. I mean, basically, so, like the some of the you get some of the cranky fans who are mad. I'm not mad at all. That's just yeah. all gravy. What a fantastic year. So much better than I thought. I mean, dude, a month into this season, I was like, it's time to tank. Pull the plug. <laughs> so, you I'm know what I'm saying? Very pleased. Brunson already is more lovable than Carmelo ever was. Oh, like, I, just... I never, never. My favorite Clay, player. My favorite so player much harder. Was... From yeah. that era was Pablo Prigioni, yeah, forty-eight-year-old <laughs> Italian guy who they brought over. Who I loved, I loved that guy. So no, I never, I never cottoned to uh, Demello. I he just wasn't my taste. Yeah, yeah. Well, imagine being able to pull for Jason Tatum. I mean, what a joyful to to have him go like one for fifteen and then hit he went three, one three for twenty-five in three combined first yeah. quarter. Oh, I know. I was crazy. I, I was watching. And then to hit three three pointers in a row to win game six and then game was seven crazy. was just an all timer. All time. You're like, I mean, if he make if he misses any of those three pointers, the season ends there and you guys yeah. are like breaking it up and Jalen Brown's not worth the money. I mean, it is amazing how whole dynasties can turn yeah. on three right. minutes of basketball. Isn't it crazy? It really yeah, is. Yeah, it really is. If you guys don't pound the heat though. 
like right out of the gate. I mean, that you're so the, you do not look like a team that's like, okay, now we've got it figured out. Like that Sixers <laughs> team, like I mean, James Harden is just a mess. Well, it took him to game I mean, six to go awful. with to go with the right lineup. Uh, so, all right, well, let's get to Tom Petty streaming. This is great. I, what do you think is Tom Petty's most streamed song? And I'm, well, I'm going to give you. I'm, I'm going to give you. I know it. Choices. I actually know uh, it. All right, Je- Jeff, you're in. Ben's out. Uh, here are your here are your choices. Okay. American Girl. Yeah. End of the line. Oh God. Mary Jane's Last Dance, or Free Falling. Oh, it's Free Falling. It is indeed. No hesitation. It's close, right? I bet Free Falling's like at like eight hundred million or something like that. Five hundred and sixty-five million okay. for Free Falling. American Girls at two ninety-six. Uh, I put end of the line there just to scare you, but it's just no way in hell. But one hundred and fifty-five million is still pretty scary. That 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 song has one hundred and fifty-five million. That song listens. comes on the stupid radio all Sirius XM all the time. <laughs> drives me crazy. So what do you want to play out of those four? Oh, this one. (laughs) (laughs) She's a good girl. Loves her mama. Loves Jesus. In America, too. She's a good girl. It's crazy about Elvis. Loves horses and her boyfriend too. And it's a long day living in Reseda. There's a freeway running through the yard. And I'm a bad boy because I don't even miss her. I'm a bad Breaking her heart now I'm free. Free Woo! Um, I should love that song, but when the Patriots were on their undefeated season, that song um I associate with the New York Giants and the helmet catch, and I can't I Why? can't untangle them. Why? It was like I felt that the Patriots were free falling that first half. It was just like, wait, what's wrong? Why aren't we clicking? Why aren't we blowing these guys out? Stupid Giants wild card. They shouldn't have been hanging with us. It seemed like things were falling apart. We were free falling, Jeff Simons. <laughs> you know what I love about that track is um, there's no heartbreakers on it except Mike Campbell. Um, and he tried to invite some of them to play on it. And the band was so burnt out from all the touring and and uh, the eighties. He tells a great story in the documentary. Howie Epstein comes over and he's like completely drugged out and he's playing bass. He's like, you know what? I don't even want. I don't even like this song. He's like, well, man, you don't have to play on it, Howie, if you don't want to. And he's like, I think I'm out. And then he turns. Tom looks at the camera. And goes, that song was free falling. But like, you know, Ben Mons. <laughs> And it's Phil Jones, the drum tech, who plays drums on the whole record. It's not even um, Stan wow. Lynch or, or a, a drummer of note. It's just the, I mean, he really just 
brought his, he just had a couple of friends come over to his basement and made that record. It's kind of amazing. It is. That one sounds great. The rest of the record is a little sketchier in terms of how it's it a little light. I know it's not my favorite. And it's such his biggest hit by a colossal margin. And I it's grown on me. Like when I remember, I don't know if you had this experience, but when I first bought it, I was disappointed with how light it was. Like it didn't oh, the whole have, record. Yeah, it doesn't have a band sound. There aren't a lot of it doesn't take. But the older I get, the more I really appreciate the songwriting. And uh, I've come to really love the some of the record like I love you're so bad the way it sounds on the record and running down a dream sounds great on it. And so um, with whole, the whole Jeff Lynn producing thing where, where he makes things bright and shiny and perfect. Uh, were, were there ever drum machines used on those songs? There are on the next one on um, the end of the great white open. Yeah. That one's even, that one's even worse. Sorry. Yeah. That one's, that one's, Kind of not a great record. Right. That one really runs out of gas on side two. Like there's just some crap on that one. How are those songs live? Better, but not not all that great. No. Okay. In my opinion, I, I mean, there, there's some years there where where Petty's a little he's he's a little too staid for my taste. Like it's a little too careful. Very very arena rock, and then he kind of rediscovers a looseness that in the '90s that kind of kicks things off again. At least for me. Okay. Yeah. I um. I love Free Fallen. Even like yeah. right for the first time I heard that song. I absolutely love it. It's, it's got beautiful. several things that are really, really very petty-ish. So first, the uh, chorus is about him being a depressed person. Like yeah. I think that part is really interesting. That it's a real up-tempo, happy song. Uh-huh. It's a little bit like Born in the USA. But then when you yeah. listen to it and think about it for two seconds, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> this song is called Free Fallen. Uh... And that's not something you associate with being fun. Um, And then the weird, like, kaleidoscopic um, lyrics, which are really capture a vibe more than an actual story. And there's so many of his best songs that are like that. Um, But the I'm a bad boy and she's a good girl, like that combination of things. And then just Mm -hmm. the random places. He's got a lot of, like, situations where he's, like, living in Reseda. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. over Mulholland. Yeah. So good. It's so good. And it comes in and out. You get this big picture vision of these two people and their relationship and then into these real specific details and then back out again. He's just a fantastic songwriter. He really Uh, is. And then also the just the beautiful simplicity of that guitar part. Like, um, it, like that guitar part was played seventy five thousand times before Tom Petty recorded this song, and would have been played another seventy five thousand times with no <laughs> one noticing it. But he yeah. put it together into here, um, and then on people recycling it. Uh, Jeff will probably know this story. When the band came in and cut Wildflowers, they referred to the song Wildflowers as "Refallen." Yeah, Tom right? Petty for writing the same song. <laughs> and was, I mean, just with me, yeah, you see, Wildflowers is a much better song. I mean, that yes. song, yeah, it's just, oh, I love that. One. Yeah. That's <laughs> refalling. Refalling is so funny. Um, it's the right. kind of joke you make when you've been in a band together for 25 years. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it, like, you just eviscerate him. It's like, oh, by the way, we know you've sold 300 million records and you're a colossal <laughs> star, but we're going to call it Refallen. Just, just to, to keep stick it to him. Oh, you know. for sure. I thought that was a sign that they were actually friends. I yeah. They were legit friends. And also that Petty, you know, um, he seemed to be a nice guy. He seemed to be an actual nice person. Well, the fact that like people stuck with him, right? Like he had the same like you know, like right hand man since 73. He's got all the same guys in the band since Mud Crutch in 1971. Yeah. 
the original lead singer becomes the lighting director. The original drummer becomes the drum tech. I mean, like nobody left his orbit, you know? Wow. Gainesville. Make those those connections early. One of those guys who like, you know, is the center spoke on the wheel and can handle the pressure of being the center spoke on the wheel, you know? Well, although I'm sure we'll get to this, but I mean, the guy died of a, a, a like, I mean, and like, so there's a whole, like that really caused me to go back and re-listen to his, um, his catalog and think. Especially Echo, that Echo is a, that's a dark, hard to listen to record. But I mean, dude, I mean, Free Falling, he's got, he's got songs about, about being like, being depressed all the way through. I mean, even Mary Jane's Last Dance, I think, I assume that that has something to do with him having to quit pot, which of course Mm -hmm. he didn't, so. Having to quit, but didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he had a heroin addiction, what, mid-90s, Jeff? Yeah, that's the one that nobody really knew about, it, except in the inner circle that came out in Warren Zanes' book. And uh, I saw him, uh, you know, I, he did this 20-night run at the Fillmore in 1997 that they just right. released the box set. They came back and tried to do it again, and they did six nights in 1999. And those shows were really different. They were really dark. I went to two of those, too, and I was like, something's not right here. And apparently that was the height of his heroin addiction. Yikes. They were getting outplayed by the opening acts. They had Lucinda Williams open and she was coming right off car wheels on a gravel road and had that unbelievable backing band. They let her do almost an hour and a half and like her set was better. And oh, I was wow. like, I just, I was just like the band I saw her two years ago could have gone after anybody. So, well, before we get to uh, our, our three songs or choices uh, when it comes to Tom Petty or, or if we're going to quiz each other or what a real quick note about Taylor Swift and seeing Taylor Swift uh, listeners. If she's coming to your general area and I did a, (laughs) I did a five hour drive. um, You need to go see Taylor Swift. And I understand the ticket prices at this time are probably going to be a thousand dollars. So just, I just looked into the, my daughters are home for college. uh And uh, so I was like, all right, Dahlia, listen, Run through the dates let's and do let's it. figure it out. Playing in Cincinnati, June 30th and July 1st. One seat somewhere in a football stadium, cheapest price, Tim Plain. Is it is it is it 1400? 1450. Is it 1450? Yeah, we'd have to get three separate seats sitting by ourselves. Okay. For for forty two hundred dollars. Yeah. And honestly, um... I'm 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 thinking about it. So can I just, dude, I talked about it with the girls. Dahlia was like, that's insane. It's so expensive. We definitely shouldn't do it. I was like, you know that this will be the third time that you, me and your sister have seen Taylor Swift together. Like that's worth spending some money on. Like that's an experience that we should have. I I would like to, I would like to put it this way. Hey, if I asked you right now, Ben Barton, could I borrow 150 bucks? You'd say, yeah. So just think of it like 150 bucks for 10 years straight. That's all. Just spread it out. Uh, and basically what you're what you're what you're investing in, here's the thing that I've come to realize it is is life affirmation that that going to a Taylor Swift concert is I mean, it's overwhelmingly positive. It's emotional, especially if you're there with your daughter like I was, but it's also life affirming. Like this is I, I was blown away. I had no idea she she could perform like she performs. She held 70,000 people in the palm of her hands and was like with us and talking with us. And to Jeff's point, she played freaking 44 songs. I was exhausted. I, I'm not going to tell you how many times I had to sit down. I was like, Whoo! 
<laughs> I mean, she was non nonstop. I mean, I'm so enjoying all the Instagram videos that people are putting up, like the, yeah. where she trips or like you know misses the chair, and there's like a like people are are posting like these moments oh. from the performance, and I just love seeing that because I'm like, yeah, it looks like a musical from far away. Oh but yeah, it's, it's a show, and like it's got mistakes, and she can roll with it, and uh, yeah, I mean. Looks- I was I was so impressed with her. I'm now I'm a huge um a reputation fan where I wasn't before. Uh nice. so listen to that album. Do either of you remember what 1970s TV show the Doobie Brothers appeared on? Oh, dude, for sure. What do you got? Definitely on Gilligan's Island. The Doobie Brothers were not on yes, Gilligan's Island. Yes, they were on Gilligan's Island because there's a scene. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> No. Like, which doobie you be <laughs> the answer is what's happening oh they, maybe i've got it wrong maybe it is maybe which doobie do you be is on yeah, what's happening though. it's on okay. what's happening and the plot of it was they uh busted some guys recording at their concert and the tape recorder fell out of his jacket and the guys from What's Happening like helped the Doobie Brothers bust this guy and his illegal recording. And all I could think about was, oh, my God, we should bring them to a Taylor Swift concert. Like she has 70,000 people recording her and sharing her and like sharing the music. Um, like what a different mindset. Here, take take my performance. Spread no, it around. It, it isn't. It isn't like you don't have like. They will put out, I assume, a professionally recorded version of this tour at the end of it. But And people will buy it. In other words, people aren't going to buy it because, oh, well, I got it on my iPhone. No, they're definitely going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm so dude, glad you had a good time. Flannery friended me on Instagram right no, after that. Did she? <laughs> it was like one of the proudest moments of my entire life when your daughter wanted to be friends with me. I was like, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to get into our Tom Petty selections. Uh, where do you guys want to go with this? Well, I think so Jeff um, and I were ta- go, buddy. Jeff and I were tasked with each choosing three obscure to relatively obscure Tom Petty songs for your Woo. listening enjoyments. Um, Jeff, you want to go first? Uh, Why don't you want to go back and forth? Yeah, let's go back and forth. You go first because I, you know, me, I have like eight and I got to And also, I'll that way I won't choose the ones that you choose if we double. Oh, oh good. I'll just do all three then. All right. Okay. So uh, start. I'll give you the three and you can tell me which one you want to do first. Okay. Uh, the live version of Have Love Will Travel from the live anthology. Love it. Climb That Hill Blues from the Wildflowers uh, outtakes. Yeah. And then from the 97 show, the date I had with an ugly old homecoming queen. Let's start with that because that's our that's our overlap. That's great. And I'll Give choose it. Just one. the first 15 seconds of that. So funny. Yeah, I got it. Date I had. All right. Here we go. Ready? Well, I woke up at the Holiday Inn. I had a hundred dollars missing and a cut on the chin.
She would not home. She said, son, she left on Monday with a man named John. Uh, so here's some things that are fantastic about that song. First of all, just the sense of humor on that guy. I woke up in a hair with a hundred dollars missing and a cut on my chin. It's That's great, good stuff. That's a great, great line. Start to That's a great song, start for sure. And then later he's like, "She was good looking, if you know what I mean, but she sure didn't look like the homecoming queen." <laughs> <laughs> that riff is so great. I was at that. I was at that show where that that recording is from and uh it was just so exciting to be in the room when they're like we got a new one and it's so good and it's so instantly like memorable and that guitar riff is so thick and great like but you'll you'll agree awesome. with me on this right like driving it driving down to georgia um and a little bit running down a dream like there's a bunch of songs that are basically this song yeah um, yeah and they're fantastic i say they're that great. as praise not yeah. as critique like, right just so good the band is so tight it's a five, this is a five minute song and they just keep doing this blues riff over and over again. You you caught two seconds of Tom Petty's awful harmonica playing. Yeah. Embarrassingly <laughs> bad. Like a fourth grader bad. Like as if someone came wandering on and got out, out at Christmas and that was the first time they put it to their lips. That's what it yeah. sounds like. Um, but everything else is fantastic. I mean, there's like a minute and a half guitar solo. There's a whole verse that's just the drums so boom, 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 with a little yep. drum solo in there. Um just like an old-fashioned rave up where everybody gets a turn having a solo so good so let's do uh climb that hill blues next this feels oh like... yeah and actually you can do the first 30 seconds of this one too you got it that feels like the right order all right come on cooperate So this is like a two and a half minute, two two twelve outtake from Wildflowers, um, and you get first you get a, a little bit of a flavor for what a like complex person he was, but also like the the, the what a great songwriter he was, and that opening guitar riff, the just announcing his presence with authority, and then coming in all quiet like that, and they climb that hill again. Um, in retrospect, after he died, this was a song that I really kind of glommed on to. Mm. Um, wow and like the it like dudes like petty make it look effortless to be tom petty but there's no version of this where it's easy to be tom petty like you just don't have this career you don't have that band you don't, yep. don't don't do all the things that he did without waking up sometimes and dragging his ass through it and having to climb that hill again and uh so this this is one that just really speaks to me yeah and also this the quality of that recording like wildflowers is still one of the best sounding records that's ever yeah. been made that and you I mean, if you listen to that on headphones, like you can hear the the pick squeaking against the strings. Like it's the most spectacular 
analog sounding record of the 90s like most 90s records sound a little shitty and uh wildflowers is just i I am i am consistently amazed at how fantastic that record sounds and i've heard that record i'm sure i've listened to it a thousand times and just now i put that on i'm like listen to how beautiful oh our sounds it's amazing yeah my dad has got uh I think it's a 1963 Dreadnought Martin. So it's Martin guitar that's the real the biggest body that they made. And it's before they put a metal rod in the neck. So actually the neck's kind of getting a little bit twisted because it's just warping with being an old piece of wood. Um, but the sound of that guitar is the sound of the guitar we just heard. Like, I mean, yeah. like the fullness, the richness, the depth to that, just those that first chord. You're like, oh my God, it sounds yeah. so great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Have love will travel uh, from the top. Just hit it from the top. Or, or you can either choose it. You can go at 2.30 to have a cheer for all those bad girls. Or you oh, can I start at that. the top. How about a cheer for all those bad girls? Woo! And all the boys that play that rock and roll. They love it like you love Jesus It does the same thing to their souls And when all of this is over Should I lose you in the snow It does the same thing to their souls. That's a yes, line. Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean that. Yeah, that. That no, is. This so, is a. This is like a companion so piece to Free Fall, and it's just a less popular song. But I mean, it's got this beautiful picture of this relationship and this woman, and where her lines began to blur. So good looking, you never had a chance. <laughs> First verse. Amazing. Um, and this is a late one. This is from the last American DJ, right, Jeff? Yeah, which might be his, his, one of his worst records, actually. Yeah, but this one, and also it's like the, the again, what a strong, strong, amazingly good live performance it is. Like they were mm. just a live band, you know, they like just exceptionally, exceptionally good. All the harmonies and the intricate guitar parts, so good. Yeah, great stuff. Good choices. I like um, it. Ben, have you seen them live? Or did you see them live? Oh, yeah, I've seen, I don't know, I've seen them half half dozen times wow jeff you and i too? saw him more than any other band i think i saw my i saw him a week before he passed away and it was my 20th show wow that's awesome. i counted i counted him up after i had never bothered and then when he passed away i was like oh that was the last one it was oh, anyway. shoot um, i saw him more than any i'm sure i've seen him more than any other artist wow the people i play for obviously but like yeah he's because i saw all those Fillmore shows and i saw i saw mud crutch three times and wow and he, <laughs> he kept coming back to the Fillmore. Yeah, know, like, right, right. I saw Tom Petty in the Fillmore nine times. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's you, were, you were, we and I, you and I were together one of the times you saw him at Bonnaroo, right? I saw him twice yep. at Bonnaroo, but one of yep. the times was with you. Yeah. You know, that story, um, the, that, like, I kind of sort of know one of the guys who runs Bonnaroo. That and, story's um, unbelievable. He got so high and drunk that he Uh-oh. left his trailer and got lost, and they had to put out an all points bulletin for Tom Petty, and he was passed out, like, in a back alley. Like, oh, they, my like, God. Move ice and everything. And they gathered him up and brought him in, and then he played an hour later. And so, two and a half. At the time, I was like, "What a hilarious story of this guy still getting after it." And, and now it's after he died, so sad. I was like, Good lord! Like, Do you remember what they said in the mic? Do you remember how they looked for him? They were yeah. like, "Heartbreaker one is MIA." <laughs> That's what you told me. They said because they didn't want to be like, "Has anyone seen Tom Petty?" You know. <laughs> But you also told me that, like, the band obviously was like, yeah, this happens. And they, like, held him oh. up, poured a bunch of coffee down his throat. And, like, oh, and I, he, dude, I mean, one of the things that was hard about him, this is the same thing with Prince. Uh, I mean, he, they toured with a doctor. Like, he, he yeah. died under a doctor's care. That was how much of a, a problem that he had. I problem. That's how addicted he was to painkillers. Uh, but I'm sure they shot him up, you know, Pink Floyd the Wall style, like, with vitamin D and a bunch of amphetamines and, and trotted yeah. him out on the stage. Yeah, I saw a show. Um, Susan and I went uh, on our anniversary to see him and I was in the fan club. So we had like fourth row tickets and uh, he came out. It was when Steve Winwood was opening up for him and uh, he came out and he was, he was trashed. He was working on pure muscle memory. Like he wasn't really moving and he was getting all the chords and he was singing all the lyrics. But Susan looked at me and was like, he looks so unbelievably wasted. I'm like, yeah, that's because he is. Because after every song, you know, Tom always did this like, thank you so much, especially when he had nothing else to say. And that's all he said. And after about nine songs, you could kind of see him come back to us. Like he was he was just like, oh, I'm back. So and then he got, he, got, he got more talkative. But you could just tell the band just was like, it's one of those nights. Just we're going to play the greatest hits. And it was a bummer. It was a bummer to because I had seen nights that were so transcendent. And he was so, oh, present, right. you know. That was tough. Yeah, my right. dad and I saw him with Dylan. That was the first time I saw him, and it was on the um, oh yeah, I saw that tour too. Plantation tour, and yeah. man, did he shred! Yeah, he shredded that night. I met yeah. Greg Garden with the full horn section behind him. That was the first time I saw him. The Southern Accents tour. Yeah, um, I must have been like two nights before because you know he was going up the East Coast. Yeah, I saw him in, in Meriwether Post Pavilion. Yeah. All right, All right Jeff. What, what do you want little... us to know? Yeah. Well, do you want me to quiz? Uh, you want Ben and I to do a little quizzy quiz back? Yeah, and forth? that'd be great. Okay, all right, all right. So, Ben, I'm going to play the beginning of three Tom Petty songs. I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you five seconds and see if you can get it. This is going to be so humiliating and embarrassing. This no, you're going to do gonna well. Much like when I have to do it without Jeff. You're going to do well. Ready? <laughs> Here we go. Here's your first one. Don't do me like that. I got. I was going to get that one. Don't do me like that. That's fine. Timmy, I didn't know. We're working sorry. together on this. Sorry, I like sorry, it. No, no, sorry. dude, you, we can work together. I was going to look how excited he was. That's good. That's good. All right, here we go. Here's another one you're going to get within two seconds. You're jamming me. You wreck me. You wreck me is correct. Oh, it's the same song. <laughs> it is the same song. Close, A lot of these good. are the same song. All right, let's see. Uh, we'll do a couple more here. You guys are crushing it. Do it, Timmy. 
Time to move on. Yes. By the way, Tim Plain, a uh, quite. This is why he's the maestro. I grew up. He's the maestro. I grew up in this torture basement. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let, right, I'm gonna give you a harder one. Ready? Let me see here. Let me give you one that's a little, slightly, a little bit more off. You might get this one now. No, no guesses? No luck. Nothing. Uh, swinging from Echo. From Echo? Well, you <laughs> went from zero to 60 right quick there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was, it was kind of a hit from that. All right, we'll do one more. You guys did very well. This is great. All right, here we go. This one's a hit, but it's a, it's a, it's t- a harder one. Okay. Oh, um. Uh, da, da, I'm gonna pick you Ah, uh, what is it? What is it? I don't have it. King's Highway. Yeah. Oh, nice. Dang it. I'll await the day. Yeah. All right. That was good. You guys did great. That's good stuff. All right. So I have three, two. I'm gonna pick three songs that all are recorded before the first record. I'm gonna pick three. Wow. Mud Crutch tunes. So, okay. um, so the story of Tom Petty's in a band called Mud Crutch. They live on a farm together and they're playing gigs and they become huge in Gainesville. They're literally drawing like three or four thousand people to their farm for their outdoor concerts and the wow. police are annoyed. And um, they he tells this amazing story. It's like, well, we maybe we should make a recording and uh drive out to Los Angeles and get a record deal. And he they go to Ben Montench's dad's house and set up gear and make a demo recording they drive out to los angeles and uh petty goes into a phone booth and sitting on top of the phone book is a list of all the major record companies in los angeles and their phone numbers that somebody had left in the booth before him so he (laughs) he calls the first one he calls the first one goes in they play 30 seconds of the tape the guy says stop you're you're signed wow He's like, and so they go to three other places. They get three other competing offers, right? They call home, like, bring all the stuff. We're going to be rock stars. Then he gets a cold call from Shelter Records, um, who have heard it was somebody's called this guy. He's like, look, you got to go home to get your gear. My studio is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, come by. And he ends up signing with Shelter because they'd done Leon Russell and they'd done Joe Cocker. Um, and this is these are three songs off the demo tape that got them that deal. So it's the lost first Tom Petty record. None of these songs ended up on the first record, or and um, they didn't all come out until a box oh, set playback. So this isn't the stuff from Tulsa. This is this is stuff from it's three Tulsa. This is wow. And um, and it's a ten song tape, but I'm gonna play three songs that I think are just terrific. So this is actually the very first song that Tom Petty put on tape uh, in his life. Um, it's called Up in Mississippi Tonight. And what I what's amazing oh, so about it is this, this is it. This is 1972. So it's four or five years before the first record with American Girl on it. But and it, you could hear how young his voice is and they're not quite the players that they will become. But all of the ingredients of what will make him great are already are already present, in my opinion. 
Cool. Sally's up in Mississippi tonight With a man she hardly knows Sally's wearing brand new clothes Opportunity done not twice So Sally said bye-bye I hope she is alright Up in Mississippi tonight Sally left before the sun could rise With a city man came to town She turned his head around It was love with just one look When she saw the size of his pocketbook Oh, Sally's doing fine so a Dude, stuff, that's a gem it's great it's oh my a god little song and what's great is all the stuff ben, a lot of stuff ben talked about it's funny it was love at just one look when she saw the size of his pocketbook it's a hilarious <laughs> song. Dude, i also love but <laughs> uh jeff turned me on to this song and i've always loved it it cracks me up that he's like, you know, they're in a fancy place. That's where they're up in Mississippi. <laughs> so yokily. That's how shitty the panhandle of Florida is. Like they're like, she's off someplace really cool, Mississippi. Biloxi. Biloxi. That song is so great. Um, but it's also one of the things that Tom Petty is really underrated about it for is writing about women. He's actually... Um, what separates him from a lot of his peers and from a lot of classic rock is the women in his songs are three-dimensional and he cares about them. Um, yeah. Now this song's a little bit of a put down, right? Like, but I can't help but feel like there's a part of him that's like, yeah, Sally, you got to do what you got to do. Like we live in a shithole. And if there's a good looking guy from Mississippi who wants to take you out dancing, I, I'm sad and I get it. But <laughs> he's rooting for her. He's rooting for her in the song. Yeah, and the, the 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 female characters in his songs are not just objects of pleasure or affection. I mean, he he's interested in women. One of my favorite favorite time. Well, maybe I'll close with maybe I'll cheat and close with that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna on the fly cheat. Let me play one more that I just love from the Mud Crutch. Um, okay. So this one's called "I Can't Fight It," which was gonna be the single. And what I love about it is. He throws a big F bomb in the middle of it, like as in 1975, he was going to get away with that uh -huh. uh, on the radio. But again, everything that you love about Tom Petty is already kind of on display in this song. Cause I've held it inside for so long All my friends say I should use discretion But I know I'm just not that strong And I can't fight it I can't keep myself from wanting you So fucking exciting I can feel 
I mean, that's their first kind of crap demo they recorded in some guy's living room. Right. Unbelievable. And it's got all of the things that they would figure out how to use over and again, like that ding, 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 ding. You know, is actually in that band, right? Yeah. But Mike ben Campbell Monson. is not. Mike's in the band and Ben Mont. They're both in it. It's okay. Randall Marsh on drums and um, Tom Leiden, who is Bernie Leiden's brother from the Eagles. That's the band. So the bassist and the drummer get replaced, but the keyboardist right. and the guitarist stay. That's correct. That's well, a good Tom, wait, Tom's playing bass. Remember, they get rid of Tom Lydon on on guitar and move Tom Petty over to rhythm. But this this is when Tom Petty is lead vocals and bass. Oh, really? Wow, huh. isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's so crazy. But that sounds like a million gajillion bucks. So yeah, good. I know, right? <laughs> it's so exciting, and it's. Again, it's got great lines. You look, you you know, you're sitting there also enticing with your tongue stuck well right in your cheek. Like he already's got the, like you said, the Those lyrics glimpses. are telling yeah. a story, but it's so evocative. And the, yeah, the, you know, just, but 10 years later, he's writing about women in a way that is just heartbreaking. And this is, I'm going to play um, my favorite Tom Petty ball- ballad, which is from um, uh, southern accents and it isn't southern accents it's the last song on the record which is called the best of everything which he played when i saw him at the Fillmore. he played it in the middle of the set and it was not a song they played very often and you could just see him fall in love with the song again while like he, the whole band has had this like moment a minute in like wow this song's pretty great we forgot how much we like this one it was really one of those live music moments you don't get unless you go out and see a show so I'm going to play the alternate version of this. The version on Southern Accents got horns and it's, okay. um, it's 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 more of a Baroque pop arrangement. And there's a more stripped down version um, from uh, two different anthologies. But I'll just I'll play this one and see what you think. We're going to wait for the ad to finish. And... She probably works in a restaurant That's what her mama did But I don't know if she Ever really could have put up with it Or maybe she sings in a nightclub Cause sometimes
What a great yeah. first time it is, man. She probably works in a restaurant. That's what her mama did. But I don't know if she ever really could have put up with it. I mean, this is when I, we talked about this last time. Yeah. We talked about it, but like, that's the first sentence of a great short story. It's not just an amazing song lyric, you know. I, yeah, I, he, he's got the whole story in his head as he kind of picks apart these little details to give us. I mean, it's really spectacular. Ben, did you have the illustrated history of rock and roll when you were a kid, that Rolling Stone? Mm. So I got for Christmas one year this, like, it was when Rolling Stone was, like, at its height. It was, like, eight, yeah. you know, 78 to 82, and they were putting out all these books, like, record guides. And his, they did this thing called the Illustrated History of Rock and Roll, and it was, like, two or three pages on everybody that they thought was a major artist up to that point. It's the it's where um, Greil Marcus wrote the great line about Rod Stewart. Rarely has anyone been blessed with so much talent, and rarely has anyone betrayed that talent so completely. Which is maybe the most brutal thing anybody's ever said about anybody. But so I remember brutal. reading the description of Creedence Clearwater Revival, and the the woman who wrote it. I don't remember her name. I wish I did. She said Creedence Clearwater Revival became my favorite band so slowly that I didn't even notice it happening. It was just one song at a time until I realized those were all the songs I loved more than any others. And we were talking before we started recording. I was like, I don't think I would ever describe Tom Patty as my all-time favorite artist until we start talking about him and I start listening to the all these songs. Like I have over six hundred Tom Petty songs in my in my iTunes live version, yeah. versions, full concerts, and I wouldn't get rid of any of them. And I mean. There are a couple of acts, like I think Bob Dylan's over 800, but that's because there's 80 Bob Dylan records. <laughs> yeah, right, on right. And uh, I just, you know, yeah. there is something so undeniable for me about this guy who I lived in a place where he lived. He was He was about 15 years older than I was. And he was like, he was letting us know what we were going to face in the next phase of life. And, 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 so incredibly consistent because he held him such some self to such a high standard, right? Like some of his records fall prey to the production values of the moment, but rarely are they, there's no record of his where the songs just all suck. Right. Yeah. He takes some chances. He swings and misses, but what record you Ben just made a face. What record is full of just bad songs? I'm not crazy about the second one. I feel like the first record is great, and the second one is a real fall off. And then the oh, that's interesting. And then, to, and then, damn the Torpedo as he finds yeah. his way. Yeah, you know that's a lot. I mean, that's true that most bands the second record is the worst because they spent eight years writing the yeah. first one and eight months writing the second one. But even that one's got "I Need to Know," "Listen to Her Heart," "Too Much Ain't Enough." I mean, that's when the time comes. I mean, there's there's four bangers, right? It's good. You're laughing about when the time comes. I really like that one. <laughs> I just don't like the second record. Yeah, I no, I, I don't love it either. Yeah. But but I do love him a lot. Like I just like and I and I don't see him I don't see myself growing tired of his music. No, I think I, I, the way I, I have with some other bands I used to really love. Right. I think I'm growing into it more and more. Um I will it, note, I mean, I think it's worth noting. My first favorite Petty record was Southern Accents, and then my second favorite Petty record was Packetville Plantation. And he was a huge mainstay of my like little Southern rock phase in high school. And okay. he, he apologized for it later and was embarrassed about it later. But I mean, he tore the fucking stars and bars behind him. Yeah, man. The first show I saw. Re- so I just, it's so funny. You and, said I mean, the song Rebels is a great song. It's which not I a actually, good song. It's that was a great the, song. 
that was my cover that I played Friday night. That's what I played uh, in my solo set. I did Rebels. Um, you can't play that song? Yeah, I played it solo at the piano because I'm fascinated by that song. I was saying, I said it that night from the stage, <laughs> like there's only a handful of songs that get that, that can communicate what it's like to love where you come from and know that you shouldn't love it, right? There are just very few songs about the American South that get that like, how am I not supposed to fall, be in love with the place I come from and acknowledge how problematic that place is at the same time? When he doesn't speaking. acknowledge it at all in that song, though. Where do you find it? Oh, I think he does. Where? I think, um, the character is a drunk loser. Honey, don't walk out. I'm too drunk to follow. Oh, but that. But first of all, I can tell you as a high school kid, I was like, that, that, that drunk tank in <laughs> that was your was hero. Just a hotel room to me. I was like, oh, what a life. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but you know now yeah. listening to it that it isn't. It's a trap. And then the um the last the last four lines, right? Where uh I still feel the eyes of those blue belly devils walking around tonight in the through the concrete and metal. Like it's still a dump. They never recovered, they never rebuilt, they never no, figured no, out. No, 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 he's by. walking around in downtown Atlanta and they no. he can still feel the blue belly devils. I disagree. I think that I mean like, right. one of the reasons that like I found it so attractive, I was I was like, I'm a rebel. He's a rebel. Oh, wait, who else were rebels? Oh, the guys to the South. Fantastic. No, I'm going to up for this life of wait, what's rebeldom. The what's the name I, of this I, song? What's the name of this song? Rebels. rebels. All right, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and listen you to You be the arbiter. And I will be the judge. Um, Do the live version, though. The live version is just killer. It is okay. a great, great song. And Southern Access is a great song too. I mean, I it plays, the record is. It is plays great. the hell out of itself as a solo piano song too. I was like, I didn't expect to play it, and I was screwing around on the piano two weeks ago, and and started playing it by accident, and then sang it. I was like, well, I know what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, good. I will. Uh, I will uh, be the arbiter, and I will send out the uh, judgment on uh, Instagram because we've been locked out of our Twitter account. Um, You're still locked out. So Elon Musk fired everybody and I can't get anyone to <laughs> respond and help me. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, fine. I forget my password. Send me the new password. And it says, we have sent the new password instructions to this email, which is my email address. And, but they're not. And then like, I have nowhere to go there and I, and they won't uh, respond via other means uh, b- via my, uh, my Tim plane Twitter. So, and plus, here's what takes me off. I try to log on to Twitter and it's like, well, you don't have an account, but it has all these sample tweets that have come out recently. And they're all like hardcore racist, like like Pepe, the, the racist frog memes and stuff like that. I'm like, what? This is the stuff that's bubbling to the surface on his thing? Oh, done. Done with Elon Musk. I said it here first. All right. Damn. <laughs> I, that, I, that, that just that went somewhere quick. Well, but I I get to play my uh, Tom Petty song before we wrap. Yeah, this what up. is it? We're we're always wrong, Timmy. What is it? What is, is it? Uh, I want you to give me "Woman in Love" at uh, the two minute forty six second mark. Uh, because for me, Tom Petty uh, is all about like the authenticity. Like this is a lived experience that he's telling us about, and uh, and what you said about. Uh, women jeff fits here too like she's a woman in love and it kills him but he's got to let her go
It's not me. I, I tell you, the, his voice when he's like, I don't understand the world these days. Like that kills me. Yeah, his voice. Tough. I mean, totally, uh, totally owning that moment and uh, letting us try to unpack it. And I love that he's bitter and he's raging and uh, and a little bit broken in that moment. And then it kind of gives us gives us a little release from our own rage and brokenness. Nice. Dems my thoughts. Like Jimmy. Dems my thoughts. Dems my thoughts. Awesome. All right. Well, I got to get upstairs. You guys have a great, great night. And uh, look, looks like the uh, the tank is full. Very oh, nice. Where we, we know we're going next? Uh, we don't. Well, somebody, uh, somebody spin the globe and we'll pick a place. Sounds That's great. Right. I was pitching St. Louis. St. Louis. Interesting. Okay. I have a clear Fun. person to choose for St. Louis, but that doesn't. Well, you got to choose, and you got to choose. But I got to. I mean, I think I have a clear one too. Ooh. So. Well, if I tell you that, then okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we will have to wait until we pull uh, under the arches. Uh, I'll see you guys later. I think it's an arch, actually. The arches is McDonald's. No, but... we're going to McDonald's <laughs> first. I'm starving. Are you kidding? The stupid diet later. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.